So, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this evening's membership virtual Q&A panel. I'm Tarquin McDonald, Chief Executive at the club, and tonight I'm joined by our Director of Rugby, Stuart Hooper, Head Coach, Neil Hatley, Captain, Charlie Yules, and uh, new boy, welcome, Danny Cipriani. So, firstly, a huge thank you from everyone at the club to all of you, uh, our members, for your support. Um, as before, we're joined by a few uh, shirt uh, sponsors and annual hospitality partners. Thank you, all of you, for your support. This evening is the fourth of our membership events, and hopefully you found them interesting and insightful. We've certainly appreciated the opportunity here at the club to be, to be able to provide you with greater insights about what's going on at the club. So thank you, all of you, for engaging, and thank you for your questions that you've been providing as we go through the events. In terms of the format this evening, we're going to start talking rugby and we're going to focus first on recent games and um, yeah, we're going to focus about uh, some of those games and some of those disappointments and everyone here at the club was obviously gutted that we didn't make that Challenge Cup final. We're going to lean into that and also talk about our focus over the, the next three games, the remaining games of the season. We'll then allow some time for questions and if you haven't been on this before, what you should have is on the right hand side of your screen there's a tab and there's a section questions if you type in you can do it at any time type the name of the person on the panel the question is for submit your question uh, jojo will welcome her to the stage at the end of each section and she will pose uh, questions from you to the panel so once we've talked rugby for the first time we're then going to invite tom giles sarah burgess and carol thomas to the stage and um, today I'm sure you've all seen it marks a significant announcement from the club in terms of our commitment to women and girls rugby across our region and we want to get into that and talk much more about what it means uh, the impact that we're hoping to have so I'll introduce Tom Sarah and Carol we'll talk with them and there'll be a chance for questions we'll then return to rugby um, for our third uh, section we're obviously massively focused on the next three games and uh, European qualification for next year. We're also rightly planning ahead. We got a pre-season, which we didn't have last year, and we're looking ahead to 21-22. So we'll have a look forward to next season and an update around uh, one or two uh, bits of recruitment and also some injury updates. So without further ado, uh, we'll get into the first section uh, talking about rugby. And Stuart, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with, with you and at our last membership event, uh, back on the 21st of April, we met on the back of a great run of results. I think it was five out of six games in the Premiership and the Challenge Cup competitions. Since then, we have not got the results that we wanted. And, and we will, of course, get into some of the specifics of individual game instances. But before we get into the details, if you stand back and look at this most recent block of games overall, what stand out for you as the, the key factors in the performances and results? And what are the key lessons there from these recent games? Yeah, thanks, Tarquin. Uh, firstly, you're welcome to everyone. Uh, great to have you all online again. And um, also great to see 
so many of your names uh, on the tunnel as, as the boys run out of the wreck. It's um, it's been a great addition to uh, to the wreck there, and definitely a, a focal point um, before games and after games. So, thanks very much for your support, and it's great to have it there. Uh, your names on the wall as well. So, um, yeah, Tarquin, to your question, I think um, evidently there's been um, the moments that you talk about and the frustrations that we've had from not getting the result. I think. Alongside that, we, we've not had the um, we've not had strong eighty-minute performances. So sometimes you can look back and say, uh, you know, we we didn't quite get the performance, but we got the win, or we got the win and, and we didn't get the performance. But I think um, you know we we've not been at our best. Our performances have not been where they want to be, and that obviously explains um, the result. We areas of our game that we've been very strong at, we've not converted in, um, i.e., the more or the pick and go close to the line. Um, and it's exposed us because we've not had, um, an op, you know, the, the clarity to go outside of that and get the points we need when we could have got them. So, um, evidently frustration, uh, from within and, and obviously people watching as well, but big areas to work on big areas of focus around challenging the opposition, um, and how we really stress them when we've got the ball in hand. Okay, and we'll, we'll thank you. We'll, we'll come on to some more of that detail. And Charlie, Charlie, I'll turn to you next and just focus a little bit on the, the player perspective. And Stuart spoke there in overview about this recent run of games. And I wanted to focus a little bit on the player's perspective. And I'm thinking particularly about Europe. We've done so well to play our way into the semi final. And it's a knockout competition. The opportunity feels real it feels tangible and a game that we you know that we could have won and as a team you've given everything that saturday night um at the wreck the game unfortunately hasn't gone our way and the opportunity's gone can you talk a little bit about that time after the game as a player as a captain as a team what is that time like how do you process what's happened and then ultimately learn from that and move on um yeah it's difficult because as you said those are the when the opportunities are that close when you're in semi-finals when you're two games away from lifting a trophy and you feel that you've got the squad and <clears throat> everything else to, to go and do it and then it doesn't quite happen it's it is difficult but and I, I guess the thing that's different with um like the cup competitions and particularly the european competitions it's like in the league it's so quick. The next, the next game just comes. So you, yeah, you have the frustrations of the and the disappointment of a loss in the league, but you've got to pretty quickly get back on task because six, seven days later you go in again. Whereas in Europe, it's now we have now have to sit and wait for another six, eight months till we get our shot again. Um, so yeah, it was difficult, and the squad really struggled because the squad was the squad was ready. Like you say, the squad gave everything. I think you know you learn the biggest lessons in those big games, though. They're hard lessons to learn, but you learn the biggest lessons and we probably didn't fire the shots that we wanted to fire. So for all the work, all the effort, you know, if we're going to, if you're going to lose games, you want to lose games feeling like you threw everything at them. And yeah, physically we threw everything at them, but probably tactically we let ourselves down. Some of the stuff that Coops alluded to at the start, um, those kind of things. So yeah, like I say, they're tough lessons, but if this squad wants to kick on and go to where it's going to be, we want to be in those games again in the future. So at some point you've got to get over that frustration and that disappointment, learn the lessons so that hopefully when we are back in those situations and playing back in those semi-final games again, we don't make the same mistakes. 
Yeah, no, it may be petty, but I was really, obviously you wanted to be there, but not being there, I really didn't want Leicester to win. So um, anyway, that's a very small thing to take from that. But Hats, uh, we, we, we talked a bit in that overview. Uh, one of the things over this period, we've seen one or two specific areas of our game, which were previously strengths that have been working less well for us. And one of those areas has been around red zone conversion, which previously was a real strength for us earlier in the, the season. People were lightening us to, you know, Exeter and so on um, in, the, in that area. Some of that challenge may be due to availability of personnel. Uh, there was also a change in terms of the referee's interpretation around the pick and go and how that's defended. And could you explain just a little bit about our red zone conversion, how that had been a strength for us? what you see that's happened in recent games and what's been done to address that moving forward? Yeah, I think it's a strength that became a weakness. So we had, obviously, the, the small all change for those that don't know is when you when you pick and go in twos or three, that they weren't allowed to touch the player without the ball. Now they've made it legal to hit the latcher. So, of course, so the secondary player as well, um, which, which makes it a little bit more difficult. So we'd put a lot of time and effort into that. Um, and now with that, that small law tweak, we, um, we probably need to put more time into what we do post that or if that's not working. I think that's probably stood out in the Montpellier and Sale game. It's still been really successful for us in other games. I think somebody's asked a question here, um, why do we continue to pick and go? Um, I, I think there's a, a, an issue around being braver or being more aggressive. Um, we need to... We need to make sure that we're we're as comfortable taking the ball out of those situations as we are keeping it in. So we we've spoken as a leadership group, as a coaching group with the players, and that's um, that's something which we're looking to address at the moment. Like I said, because it had been a real strength, we we wanted to keep you know bashing people there. Um, and with a small all change now, we're we're adjusting to make sure that we um, we've 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 got second plans or we've got other options to go out the back of that and not just just go route one. Okay, so, 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 and, and is that something you're talking about longer term, or is that something you're talking about? You can make an adjustment um, in a short space of time for these next three games, because it sounds like you're saying there's, you know, sort of through the front door and getting that technique right with the rule change, but then actually being able to adapt um, and go out wide if you, you know, if you notice that you've got, you know, men over. Yeah, look, we'll still put time into to what we've done, you know, bashing through the front door because it, it, it has worked for us. It didn't work in two games. It has worked well for us post-lockdown and into the early start of the season. If you think Worcester, games like that, London Irish with 30 men on the pitch, um, that was still a real area of strength for us. But we need other strings to the bow, and that's what we're looking to add. Perfect, perfect. Thank you. And Danny, uh, I'll come to you now. Firstly, welcome. Um, good to have you uh, in the building. And um, I'd just be interested in, I know you're new in, so, um, um, you know, there's there's probably more to, to say. We'll, we'll come on and talk about looking forward and next season. But I'd be interested just in first impressions around what you've seen in our environment and, uh, and our game. And obviously, you've been lucky to enjoy um, some great environments, not least Wasps, where you were coming through the academy and into the senior team as they were winning, as you were winning at the time, um, championships domestically and in Europe. And I just wondered if you could tell us about your 
first impressions of the environment here at Bath. And then I know you've been watching our games. I know you were at the, the sale game watching. Can you just talk us about the strengths and opportunities that you see for our game? Yeah, firstly, um, I'm loving my time at Bath at the moment so far. Like to come from different training grounds I've been at the last couple of clubs, to come somewhere like Farley, which is such a like magnificent, beautiful place to train. <clears throat> I think you really have to be taking it for, um, be grateful for where you are. And for me, um, it's been a, it's been a long journey to get to this point, and and I'm I'm just very excited to continue it like Bath and with the squad that they have um from from what i've seen you know i think there's a lot of there's a lot of beautiful chaos that's going on and it's strong but i think there's detail within the chaos and i think that's what i'm excited to bring and add and hopefully i can do that whether it be red zone conversion or phase shape because for me phase shape is 70 percent of an attack and it's very important to make sure that you get the you get the, all the all the i's dotted and the t's crossed especially when it comes to attacking in chaos i want to get people in the right positions in the right places you bring awareness to it i think that's when you can get a team to fire and i think with a team such as bath with the squads that we have the, the players that we have i think it's very exciting to see what's going to happen brilliant okay well we'll we'll come back to that hold that a little bit because um we'll We'll come back in the um, in the third section and um, and also along uh, hats and, and Stuart talk about kind of the coaching group and, and and what we want things to look like as we move into next season and hats one of the uh, hot topics has has been discipline and so I wanted to talk about that and we we touched earlier on the availability of personnel and discipline has been one of the factors here for us both availability in games and then also uh, for selection and we, we also discussed this uh, issue at the last membership event where we we dived into the challenges around consistency a little bit or inconsistency of refereeing depending on your take um if we take the sale game as an example um sorry charlie um we we saw charlie take a yellow card really tough situation with difficult to get out of it in terms of contact uh, with mcginty which followed the letters of the law and Charlie was carded for that, and we, we took punishment for that. However, there was an earlier incident in the game, which like, when we look at it, it's almost identical, where Tom de Glanville took contact from, I think it was Tom Curry, and almost in front of Cole Dixon. And I believe it was reviewed by the TMO and nothing happened. And, and I make this point because there appears to be this inconsistency in the refereeing of the game. And so absolutely for us, there's things that we we need to control that we can control, but there also seem to be some things we can't. So um, I had a few questions uh, on this hat. So I'll, do, I'll take them one at a time. I think the, um, the first question from, um, you know, from me was in terms of the factors within our control around tackle height and other factors which put us at risk of getting carded, what are we doing to, to mitigate that risk as much as we can? Um... So, I, I look, first of all, I think the, the referees are refereeing. You know, we're never going to sit here and go, we feel hard done to. Um, I think that for me, and Niels is on the call, that, you know, we've had this conversation as a senior playing group and, and with him as a player. That'd be a weak excuse. And I like that Charlie and, and Benno and Mikey Williams, you know, the guys who have had it happen to have never, ever come up with that um, and, and blame the ref or gone, oh, it's hard, been hard done to, which is brilliant. They've never done that. Um, so we're looking consistently at our tackle height. 
you know, the the decisions will be the decisions. We we've, we want to try and be aggressive in attack. We want to hit, you know, particularly in our tight five, we want to hit to knock people backwards. Um, and that's where we started the season and, and we were fairly aggressive and where we hit there. Um, but we, we're making adjustments now. We're, we're working hard to change those habits with the individuals and with the training group, with the, with the playing squad when we do on, like on Tuesday on our defence day. So we're aware of it. Um, it's our discipline everywhere else is is probably one of the best in terms of offside or the other sort of um, other small team penalties. But this is a big one. You know, it's a big one. We're not going to hide from it. It's it's cost us games. Um, and we and we need to be better at it. You know, we, we don't want to be playing at any point with 14 men or 13 men. Because um, you look back at those games, and, and those are games that we could have won if we managed to keep everyone in the pitch. So it is something to talk with that that we're pretty critical of. First of all, with the um, with the coaching group first and foremost, and with me, that's where it starts. Um, and then the work that we put in with the players. So it is something we're addressing daily um, in in video meetings and obviously on the training pitch. Thank you. And you, you've done brilliantly, actually, because you kind of answered all three of my questions. Because okay. so, so something you said there, I was, I, was, uh, I was going to ask about if you, obviously the cards have a significant impact, but if you strip them out, you know, the underlying discipline, if you like, apart from that, where do we stand? And I think you said, actually, well, obviously we can't take away from the impact of the cards, but no. moving aside from that, we've, we've, we've done well, we're doing well as a team. So obviously we, we want to eliminate those cards. And then, um, you know, how, how we deal with refereeing. I mean, there is a conversation uh, across the league because other clubs have talked about it. But I think it's good to hear you say that we, you know, the refereeing is the refereeing and we have to take account of the fact it is what it is. Um, so you asked earlier really about what, what we can control. So we can control yeah. our tackle height and that's what we'll look to control. You know, what, what happens on a Saturday from the guy in the middle, um, that's his job. We got to make sure that we don't put up, we don't give him any opportunity to to penalise us for where we are from a from an infringement or from from where we get to on our tackle height. So that's what we got to look after. Everything else he looks after and and he's accountable for. So we're accountable. I'm accountable for for defence across the team um, and getting our guys to tackle lower. So that's what we're working on. That's what we can control. Perfect. Straight straight answer and. And Charlie, coming back to you earlier, you talked very personally about the Montpellier game and what that what that felt like and what it meant for the team. And I, and I know much how much you and um, like the other players, the squad, have felt recent results whilst continuing to give everything. Can you talk about your role as as captain and your role as one of our senior players in terms of energising? the players over these last three remaining games and what you are all focused on in terms of delivering best performances and best results? Yeah, we've spoken about, um, we've spoken as players around, you know, where your motivation lies because as we spoke about before, the game we spoke about before, when it comes to semi-finals, the motivation is, is external and it's pretty obvious when there's that opportunity to win silverware. Obviously, we don't want to be a team that's in this position at the end of the season where there's not a huge amount to play for. Obviously, there's still European qualification, but beyond that, there's not an enormous amount to play for these last three games. And this isn't somewhere where we want to be, but it is where we are. So we've taken stock of that and spoken a lot around some of the guys that are departing and a lot of the motivation from within the squad with the players is there's, there's guys that have been here for a long period of time and given an enormous amount to the club. And as it is now, we've got three more shots to go out and 
play with those guys, make memories with those guys and do something special with those guys. So <clears throat> that's what's driving a, a large number of the lads. There's also another um, sort of theme that came up around how we finish this season will dictate where we start pre-season. As was sort of said earlier in the call, we didn't get a pre-season at the start of this year. We just sort of rolled straight in two weeks off and we rolled straight in. So we were where we were. Pre-season's a, a massive uh, building, like the togetherness in the squad, how we, some of the stuff that Danny spoke about around the attack, how we implement those. Obviously with, with Danny coming in and with, with Dave coming in, there'll be stuff that we want to look at and implement into our attack defensively, how we get ourselves set up. Um, but also I, I, I thoroughly believe that a lot of that stuff, how you finish the previous season will be exactly where you start that pre-season. And we don't want to be taking a step backwards and then try and come forwards again. Yeah, sets the tone. Yeah, thank you. And and Hats, we, we've got these three games. We've got um, Quinns, obviously, at the Stoop. Um, Gloucester away, then um, Saints at home. Interesting dynamic. All of these games are going to have socially distanced crowds. And we know the table's congested. We also know it's top eight to qualify for Champions Cup rugby. We want to get the best set res uh, best performances, best results we can. What are the specific areas of focus for us in our preparation and training for these games. You talked obviously about that red zone conversion. What are the other areas of focus over these weeks, over these games? Um, we, we've looked at what we do with the ball. Again, I know it sounds unbelievably simplistic, but um, the variation in our attack, um, which is there, but just being aggressive with it. So not having it there loaded and not using it. So we've talked a lot about the variation in our attack. Um, you know, getting the right people on the ball, people like Toby, Merce, Joe, Ant, Tom DeGlanville, guys like this. We want the right people on the ball. So we, we've looked uh, we've looked a lot at that. And we've looked again at how we can create turnovers from, from our defence and from our kicking game because we feel that, you know, when we have turned the ball over, you saw on the week against Bristol, you saw on the weekend again when we turn, uh, we turn teams over, we, we are particularly dangerous. So looking at accuracy with the ball in hand, variation in our attack and then how we create moments of transition to to take advantage of good and and last question charlie i'll, I'll come to you and then we'll ask jojo to come to the stage and take some questions from the floor and charlie i mentioned there our, our game against saints we're going to have a socially distanced crowd of uh just under 25 percent three three and a half thousand people um and at the same time we're going to be playing away socially distanced at the stoop and um and a glorious king's home as well what's it been like as a player without crowds and how much are you guys looking forward to getting crowds back in and what difference does it make as a player i think so i mean you saw from the results post lockdown and you saw from a lot of the things it took it took different teams and different and um yeah, different groups to longer to adjust to it because you don't realise how big of an external factor that is. Like, whether you know it or not, but like the whole time I played professional rugby, there's been a crowd and therefore that's been part of my game day preparation. But when I run out the tunnel at the wreck or when I run out at an opposition, there's been, there's been noise and that's been part of my motivation. And suddenly when you strip that away, it just feels, it feels so sterile. I remember it feeling like it literally felt like a training game, the first game you run out because there's no noise, there's maybe 50 people maximum in the stadium so i mean it's quite sad to say that we've kind of got used to it now we've been doing it for that period of time um it's something that we've had to talk about adjust and adapt to and say we've been doing it for 
nearly a year now. So, but the buzz and like we we had one taste of a crowd when we played um, we played Queensway at the Stoop and there was two and a half thousand people there. So yeah, not even our own supporters and we had one taste of the crowd during all of this and it was unbelievable just to have that that noise and that energy back in the place. So. Look, it's, you know, we're on a journey. The, you know, the fans come on that journey with us. And unfortunately, at the moment, they're distant from it all. They don't get to see it. They don't get to feel it. And that's something that I know, well, I can speak personally, that like, I know I'm extremely excited to get back. And I feel like we have grown. I feel like we have taken a step forward. I know we're obviously talking now off the back of some disappointing results. And we've been knocked out of competitions that we were desperate to, to, to go on and win. But... I feel like since crowds have been in this club and this group has taken a massive step forward and I just can't wait for the fans to come back on board and be part of that journey again. Yeah, nice. Now, I mean, uh, hopefully the sun is shining and it's a brilliant day on the 12th of June and, um, you know, a great reminder of what what rugby can be before we take a pause and then head into 21-22. Thank you, guys. Um, Jojo, hopefully you are just making your way up the steps onto the stage, ready to, there we go, to take some questions from the floor. Hi, JJ, how are you? Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, yes, I've got some good questions for everyone um, from the floor. So first question is for Hoops, um, and it's from David Hardy, and he says, we keep hearing after many games that we should have won the game, um, but unfortunately we hadn't. Um, can you explain why this might have been? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for the question. I, I guess the, the positive way to look at that is to say that when we come out of the game and say we should have won, um, means we were close. Um, and I think that the important thing for us is that, um, you know, we, we're, we've talked here about the Montpellier and the Sale game, um, and they showed some consistency in, in how we lost the game. So we've got to address those things and do it and do it pretty quickly. Um, and that's through training. It's through making sure we reinforce what we want to see on the weekend during the week, get it done in the week. Um, but yeah, there's um, the, the, the good thing about the group is we, we've come a long way with this group over the last probably two years, whereby we never come off after a game now and question whether people were trying their hardest and putting the absolute effort in. Um, what we need to do now is, is tighten up on the detail of what we do, tighten up on the precision of what we do to allow all of that hard work to go in the right direction and then be on the right side of those results, which were close in the middle. Great, thank you. Um, next question is for Hats. Uh, it's from Bruce Pollendine. Um, he says, can you share how you reviewed the sale game um, and how we handled playing 15 against 13 and 15 against 14 um, during the fixture and what we've learned from this? Um, yeah, we reviewed it like we review everything else. Um, you know, we looked at it in, in detail with the senior playing squad. Um, you know, we went through the decision-making process. Well, first of all, you know, um, looking at the points we had going into it, did we get those right? Um, and we felt for large periods that we did. Um, we looked at, you know, the, the discipline. But well, what we don't want to do is just look at one or two instances where we feel that the game was lost because the game's not lost in one minute. Um, you know, Charles Eelsie's been, been put in the bin for that tackle at the end of the game. We shouldn't have been where we were. Um, mm -hmm. we, we should have been points, considerable points up at that stage. But we reviewed looking at it like that. Um, yeah, we, we talk about the decision-making on the pitch. 
You know, as, as a coaching group, we don't want to be a group at the moment that's sending messages on to, to the team and going, you must now take a line-out or have a scrum now. We try and put those situations in training, um, and we want the players to make those decisions because they've got to make them quickly on the pitch. And it also feels different on the game. You know, our, our, we could be seeing something in the stand that is absolutely not what Charlie, what Reece and, and what Ben Spencer, those players are feeling in the moment in the game there. And we have to trust them, you know, we, and we do trust, we trust them to make decisions there. What we've got to do is just execute better. Um, so we, we felt that some of the decisions were the right decisions. We just got to execute better. You know, we look back on the whole of the 80 minutes and we'll review those moments. We'll ask the questions, you know, do you think it was the right option? Could we have done something a little bit different? If we're in that situation again, what does it look like? Um, and then we try and propose and training for the guys so they get the opportunity to experience that and then make different decisions. So yeah, that, that's basically what we did. And also we did look at that period where we're down to 14, where they were down to 14 and 13. And uh, was there anything we could have done different? Some of the feedback there was. Um, and like I said, that's hopefully what we're, we're getting through this week in training. So if we get into those situations again, where we can take advantage. Great. Um, next question is for Danny, um, and it's from Tom Martin. He says, firstly, Danny, welcome. Um, having now arrived and watched from the sides, have you identified an area of our attack that you can help with and help the backs to fire? Uh, I think so, Danny, just before you step in, sorry, I'm just going to say uh, for all of us, so I'm just hearing that the audio, when if we can all mute when we're not talking, that'd be great. And then we can really enjoy what uh, is being said. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Over to you, Danny. Sorry. Yeah, I think those conversations are stuff that are starting to happen now. We're starting to look at the tax in detail. Um, for me, when, when you look at tax, it's, it's about moving pieces. It's about attacking as a collective. We can't look at it and just go, that should be the full, whole collective. And I think once we all gel and connect and bring the detail within the shape, suddenly you're going to get a completely different picture of how the team attacks and it's going to be an all-court game. So the, the, the most important part will be attacking space in that one moment. And that will be set up from each phase, from each ruck and in different parts. And I think the, the, the group that Bath have, the coaching, I think it's a great setup and I'm looking forward to sort of getting going now. Um, okay, last question um, is for Charlie. It's from Paul McDonald. Um, and he says, Charlie, Montpellier put huge pressure on our line-out and um, Leicester also did the same. How did they achieve this? And is there anything we can do or what have we learned from this to use against others? Uh, yeah, we learned, learned loads. So we did, a, we did a full review and yeah, they did. They've got some, they've got some brilliant athletes who, who put big pressure on us. And me as a caller and uh, the guys in the line out and you know, Dunny and the, the boys, the hookers, like, yeah, we took loads from it. So the main lessons were around, sometimes it's to do with how we were setting up. So we sometimes put the nine in the front of our line out because we had a set play that then that then goes off. But obviously when we put that extra man into the line out being the nine, they can put an extra forward in, which allowed them to get to the D that they were being the most successful in. So part of the learning was around how we do that. Part of it was around um, there were some some calls sort of earlier on that were that were the right calls that they either defended or we didn't quite execute them. And then as a you know me and as a team we sort of then went a bit more tunnel vision in what happened going forwards, which then sort of gave them a, more of a leg up into the game. So those were the sort of the the two main things. And then you know thirdly it comes back to just us controlling our 
our own standards. Like we're, we're lying out the way that you control uh, the gap to the opposition, how we lift, how we jump, how we throw. When we get those things right, we win the ball. When we start overthinking and, and looking at other stuff too much and you go away from those things, you make it even easier for the team to defend. So, yeah, they did. You know, like I said, they've got some they've got some good athletes, but we play we play plenty of teams with good athletes. So that was, uh, like I say, that was part of that. What made a you know a challenging day for, uh, collectively and personally. Obviously, that's that's a big part of my area. So that made things more difficult for me. But as I said before, like at some point, you got to stop. You know, kicking stones, looking at the floor and sulking about it, and go and like learn the hard lessons that were there to be learned, so that when the team is there again and hopefully when I'm there again personally I don't make those same mistakes again great that's all the questions you're muted <laughs> you would have thought after a year of this we'd learn anyway uh, <laughs> thank you Jojo and um, thank you uh, panel so uh, what we're going to do now is I'd now like to welcome Tom Giles Sarah Burgess and Carol Thomas to the stage um neil charlie danny don't go anywhere you're going to sort of disappear from the stage so you can get a cup of tea um but don't go anywhere because you're going to come back later on and talk rugby later um and whilst, people, uh, whilst tom sarah and carol are coming to the stage hopefully everyone at home you've seen today's announcement from the club regarding our commitment to the women and girls uh to, uh, to the women and girls game across our region and obviously bath is a rugby city and as a club we have an amazing opportunity and responsibility to inspire young people across our region in terms of our game uh, the values of the game um, and the opportunity to have a significant and lasting positive impact and um, that picture today looks very different for a young brother and sister sitting watch watching rugby at the rep the the young boy's view is rich in opportunity in terms of provision across schools and clubs, multiple opportunities to participate, a pathway, role models, and of course, a professional team that he can see playing rugby at the rec, a professional men's team. His sister's view is very different. There's patchy provision across, across schools and clubs, a quarter of the number of girls clubs um, girls club teams across the region, no pathway, no local professional team and associated role models. Today's announcement regarding our commitment to the women and girls game is a significant moment for Bath Rugby, a significant moment for, for everyone here at the club, for all of our supporters. And that's around participation across our region, a regional pathway uh, about building towards a professional team with Bath ladies and promoting the game and role models. So to get into the detail, let me introduce our guests. And firstly, Tom Giles. Um, for those who don't know him, Tom works for the club. He's uh, responsible for our community team and for increasing participation engagement across our region in terms of junior and the women and girls game. Tom is a brilliant member of the team. So welcome, Tom. Uh, secondly, Sarah Burgess. Sarah is the head of ladies rugby at Bath Rugby Ladies, which is part of our Bath RFC. And despite that being a significant commitment, um, that's not your day job. You're also a regional manager for Aleco Sport. You somehow fit that all in. Uh, and thirdly, but absolutely not leastly, Carol Thomas. Hello, Carol. Um, and Carol works brilliantly and tirelessly as 
uh, Program Development and Impact Manager at Bath Rugby Foundation, our, our charitable arm. Carol, if you don't know, is also a hugely talented and successful player with 62 caps for Wales, having played in multiple Six Nations and World Cups. So welcome all of you and thank you for your time this evening. And Tom, I'll, I'll start with you, if I may. We'll come on and talk in more detail about what we have announced and what we are committing to. It's really important to understand that today's announcement is underpinned by a significant piece of research undertaken over the last year into the state of the women and girls game across our region. Can you please talk about that work, what we learned and how that informs today's announcement? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. So this is something that's been going on for the best part of a year. Uh, rather than us approaching this and it potentially being seen as a tick box exercise, we wanted to bring everybody on this journey with us. So we thought it was absolutely vital that from day one uh, that we completed a comprehensive research project and the main stakeholders of that are grassroots clubs. So whilst we've dipped our toes into the women's game across the uh, across our community, we obviously don't know everything. So the guys that are on the ground day in, day out were vital to this project. So we've completed a six month project really of focus groups, interviews, surveys uh, with all of our grassroots clubs. And the stats don't lie. Um, I think they all felt like we should be doing more uh, and we put our hands up. We try to do as much as we can, but the one thing that's been missing is that overarching strategy and uh, the grassroots clubs um, made their point and we've hopefully listened. So when I talk about grassroots clubs, there's 102 across our catchment area and only 35 of those have girls teams uh, and 21 have women's teams so we need to understand whilst there's been a huge growth across women's rugby and I think world rugby announced in their recent strategy that over the past five years there's been a 145 percent increase uh, which is massive uh, we need to understand what the barriers for entry still are so kind of we're looking at those 102 clubs why are all not thriving uh, within their girls and, uh, and women's sections. So as part of that research, we spoke to them, we listened to them, uh, and they all believe we should be doing more from an events perspective. Um, so creating awareness, but opportunity. Uh, they believe that we should be using our platforms to create change um, and to have prominence from a female perspective. So I'm sure, and I hope you all, you've all seen our social media and our website and the announcement today, that's had over a quarter of a million impressions. Um, and that's huge just from us kind of stating that we have this ambition for the girls growing up uh, and hoping to play elite rugby and professional rugby one day. So we've we've spoken to them, uh, we've listened to them, and that's the key thing for now is that they've been on this journey with us. Uh, and of course, there's been other stakeholders along the way, but I think that was a really important piece of work to speak to the the guys and girls that are on the ground every single day um, learn from them, uh, understand where they feel like we can fill a gap, um, how we can facilitate growth, uh, and hopefully this ambition meets their expectations. And yeah, now the real work starts. <laughs> and 
perfect segue into talking about the real work. And I mean, the findings of the research were revealing, uh, sadly, in a way they were probably not surprising. They were definitely compelling. And they absolutely underlined both the opportunity and the need for us to act as a club. And I think it's really important to emphasize that what we set out today is not just about a team, badging a team, a professional team. It's a bottom-up approach across our region, Dorset, Somerset and Wiltshire, to drive participation and to create a pathway to support the opportunity to partner with Bath Ladies and develop a professional team. Can you talk a little bit more about the work that, as you say, it starts, you take a breath, Tom, and as you say, the work that starts today, can you just talk a little bit more about what we're committing to and how that addresses the findings of the research? Absolutely. So we've split uh, this piece of work into four key pillars, really. Um, one is play. And uh, when I talk of these, about these pillars, this is a three-year roadmap. Um, first one being play. And the ambition is simple. We want to double the amount of registered players across our catchment area. So across Somerset, Wiltshire and Dorset. There's 1,700 players from under-13s rugby to senior rugby at the moment. So we we are absolutely looking to double that. And it's so important for this piece of work to get that right because, of course, we want the game thriving uh, across our region. We want that, um, that broad kind of audience and broad participation to feed into the pathway. Um, and that that really is a key piece of work. The next one being sustain. So that's looking at setting up a pathway. Uh, obviously, we're very experienced at doing that from a men's perspective. But um, whilst we'll utilise uh, Craig Lilly and the academy and thinking about how we can mirror potentially the boys' pathway, of course, we need to create something that works for our clubs. Again, so we're setting up a focus group and a working group to really solve that challenge and think about what's going to work for every club uh, in terms of developing and nurturing their talent to ensure the community game still thrives. Uh, and the way that we'll approach that is we'll have a centre of excellence across the three counties um, that we'll really look to uh, develop over the next two and a half years. And importantly, we've announced that not only are we going to bring somebody in imminently, the job is live at the moment to develop participation, but at the back end of next season, we're going to bring somebody in to look after pathway and to really kind of ensure that we've got that that right calibre of player coming through to potentially play, well, will play at elite level um, in the future. Next one being perform. And this is where Sarah and uh, John Gould, the head coach at Bath Rugby Ladies, have been vital in and uh, informing the partnership. And it's important to say just how lucky we are to be forming a partnership with them. Uh, they are already performing at a very good level. They're playing in the championship. They've got over 100 registered players I'm not going to take your limelight away Sarah um but we're really happy to have that partnership and to be able to utilize a championship club as our feeder club for the professional side that will be formed in the future so that's really important and the university will be key to that too uh, I'll go on to talk about that a bit later but we're we're already coaching the university but we're really looking to develop that over time uh, which of course has the education provision to bring uh, the best talent into this area uh, through their facilities and then the last one being promote and I talked about it in terms of the impressions we've had today but this is really utilizing our Marcom's channels and platforms uh, to create change and to have that prominence from a female perspective and the quote we've used 
within our press releases if you can't see it you can't be it and that is i mean that that says it all uh girls dreaming up of playing elite rugby uh one day in the future uh we need to be uh seen to be kind of being able to offer them that opportunity um and aspiration that's important that we create that aspiration and we create role models so they're the four key pillars um they we've got a very substantial kind of roadmap uh, split out into the next three years and the ambition is very much by the 23 24 season we would have double participation and we will be performing at the top level of the women's game brilliant thank you tom thank you and yeah it's great work that underpins this and um, Carol, I'll, I'll turn to you now, uh, if I may. And firstly, I know your connections to rugby, you know, to the club and to Bath run deep. Can you give a little more colour to uh, everyone regarding your connection to the club, the city and the sport? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, so I started playing rugby when I was about 15 years old, back in West Wales. And then I came up to Bath to study at the University of Bath. And basically, I've kind of stayed here ever since, um, being a big rugby fan and a big rugby city, um, and got pretty hooked with it, and um, got luckily capped in 2006 by Wales, um, whilst I was playing kind of club rugby for Bath Rugby Ladies, um, and ran out for them over 100 times in the blue, black and white. Um, since then, I've kind of progressed with kind of uh, playing at World Cups, and actually, um, working towards my fourth now, next September, it's just been moved. So um, fingers crossed for that. As well as that, I kind of manage a, a dual career and I work for Bath Rugby Foundation, um, where we work within the community, uh, engaging kind of minority groups and young kids um, using this kind of power of sport to engage them to um, reach their potential. Brilliant. And, um... As part of our work, Carol, we, to Tom and myself, we took Sarah Hunter, England captain, through the project in detail. You may remember a, a while back we gave her some space at Farley. She had a developmental a, a role for the RFU in terms of rugby development. And I think she was pleasantly surprised and impressed in terms of the breadth and depth of the project. And she thought it would just be around a team. And she talked about actually strong foundations in terms of the participation the pathway in terms of the value of role models um that i think for a, a lot of senior players now wasn't wasn't so much the case um when they when you were starting out can can you talk about your thoughts on uh the project as someone with that connection to the sport and the city and almost sort of looking at it you know from the outside but with everything that you know could you talk about your thoughts on the project the opportunities it creates and the impact that you think it can have, not just in Bath, but across our region. Yeah, I, I think the, the vision's great. Like, it's, it's powerful. Like um, Tom's already mentioned, like, the impact's already had in kind of engagement and people being interested in it. And just by putting that intent out is um, powerful for girls who are coming up kind of the age grades at the moment to kind of have that ambition and, and, and already mentioned kind of the roadmap um of where to go makes it much easier um and i know that like through the club we're talking about kind of homegrown talent and just that opportunity now is going to be out there for boys and girls to kind of put on the blue black and white shirt and and really kind of push for kind of that elite level 
but also go through kind of the um, the ranks, I suppose, throughout the region. So there's those opportunities throughout. So it, it's great and it's fantastic to build on all the great work that kind of Bath RFC, um, University of Bath and all the kind of clubs kind of it really kind of, I suppose, gives an opportunity to step up, kind of really um, drive kind of the women's game in the region. So it's brilliant. Brilliant. And Sarah, Eternity, one of the key pillars of this project is the partnership with Bath uh, with Bath RFC and in particular, of course, Bath Rugby Ladies. And before we get into the specifics regarding that, it'd be really helpful if you could provide an overview of your role uh, focused on Bath Rugby Ladies, not the less of the day job. Um, and obviously, as Tom referenced earlier, you guys have been on um yeah on a real journey and you've got a real thriving club you've got over 100 players you've got several teams including mixed ability and of course uh you are our local elite team you're competing in the championship can you talk about a little bit about the journey that that you've been on yeah of course um thanks everyone for having me um so i'm the head of section of um the ladies at bath rfc i've been playing there uh, for about nine years, um, and I've been involved in the running of the club for almost all of that. Um, my role is essentially off-pitch admin, so that can vary from um, dealing with the RFU to organising events, uh, running social media to cooking post-match dinners at Lambridge. <laughs> um, as you mentioned, our first 15 play in the Championship uh, our second 15 now, uh, they were promoted last season actually, so they're now in the National Challenge 1. And our third 15 um, is in this Inner Warrior League, um, which is for like new and developing teams. Um, to put into, into perspective, there are 68 teams now in that league across the country. Um, and I think that just goes to show just how much our sport is growing and how there's, there is need for women's, um, women's clubs across the country. Um, so over the years, um, we've grown the club mainly through recruitment drives. Social media has been a massive, massive part in that. Um, but also we held an um, Inner Warrior event um, just before we officially launched our second team. Um, it was a really cold, wet, miserable day in January. And yet we still had 80 women attend this taster rugby event um, and since then, we've just grown and grown. Like it's been word of mouth and social media. And recently, we've not really had to do any any recruitment drives. Um, we still get lots of um, new players, whether they be new to rugby or coming from other clubs. Um, so naturally, the next step for us was um, to become even more inclusive than we are at the moment. Um, so with the help of the Bath Rugby Foundation, we did launch um, the world's first, I believe it was the world's first anyway, all-female mixed ability rugby team so welcoming ladies with both physical and um, learning difficulties so um, yeah and um, here we are today oh, I'll meet myself thank you Sarah and our roadmap um, as we said it includes the development of a regional pathway and then the partnership with with you with Bath ladies to work towards the launch of the professional team and at the moment that pathway uh, doesn't exist and so you have some of your players um, who are going to clubs uh, like, like Bristol Bears for that top flight exposure. A couple of questions for me, the first of those, can you talk about what the pathway and ultimately a professional team means for your players and other women and girls in the region? That's the first question and then the second question 
is with a professional team, what does that mean for the amateur club? You already have a thriving amateur club. Does that change with a professional team sitting above that? Um, the pathway is essential in my eyes. Um, this will mean that women and girls who want to play um, or um, can can aspire to play professionally um, and they know how to reach those goals. At the moment, we don't have the knowledge, really. It's not a very clear pathway um, going from learning to play to, to representing your country. There's nothing, there's no, no pathway at all, really, at the moment. Um, so uh, in terms of our current setup and those players, um, those players that have that, talent and determination at the moment can focus on their training with us with like the comfort of the understanding that there is something greater for them on the horizon. Um, like you mentioned, we have had players um, go on to play for um, Bristol Bears recently because they, you know, we have that ability to let them go and experience that top flight of rugby. Um, in terms of the future of the club, um, I think the focus needs to be on junior girls as well, um, just to ensure that sustainable pathway into the amateur club and beyond just to maintain that pool of players um, naturally the, the top level of players will move up to move up from Bath ladies as we know it into the top flight rugby um, but I have no concerns over the future of our club especially with the vision of doubling female participation um, within rugby so um, I'm really looking forward to the future to be honest. Brilliant and um... I mean, Stuart, just turning to you quickly, we've been bringing staff and players along uh, on, with us on the journey. And we all came together yesterday to talk through today's announcement um, and uh, and what it means you know, for the club and for the region. Could you explain what it means to you, staff and players uh, in the club in terms of the roadmap and the commitments that we that we've set out today? Yeah, it's, it's, it's genuinely exciting. And I think um, I love the way that the work's been done. I think Tom and the group have put a huge amount into it to get to the point we are and and still we're at a point where we're developing it it's not about just going in next year right we're just going to be uh, a, a professional women's team we want this to be a genuine opportunity for people in the pathway and that's where for me I've, I've been here for a long time and I've actually I've had those real moments on the field after the game where you know it's very easy when when the little lads say to you I, you know what do I need to do to, to do this and you can give an answer but until now, we haven't been able to do that for for young girls and for women who want to play the game and and have the fantastic experiences that we have around around rugby. So, um, I think it's awesome. I think the um, the intent is um, is fantastic. I think that all of the the players and the staff are um, excited to see it kind of grow and develop and and become as you know a, a genuine opportunity for. You know the the hundred thousand people of Bath to to really be able to get behind not just a men's rugby team but a but a women's rugby team as well and to develop the the game through through the pathways is great. It's exciting. Thank you. And I'm I'm conscious of time, and I I, I think there's there's one or two questions, um, Jojo, that we will come to before we turn back to rugby. Um, Carol and Sarah, I'm going to finish with each of you before we um, ask Jojo back to the stage. And simple question, um, what is the legacy that this project can have for women and girls in our region? And what would you, what legacy would you like to see? Carol first. Um, well, obviously, so just by having the pathway 
it gives that hope and aspirations for young girls and women to kind of reach their potential and actually play locally um, and go through that kind of pathway um, that makes it much clearer. And like, for example, this weekend is the uh, Allianz Premier 15s final on Sunday, and it's been shown live on BT Sport. And next year, we've got the commitment from um, BBC showcasing the Six Nations. So these girls now who are in this region can properly aspire to kind of be, like watch them this weekend, but actually in a few years time, kind of go through the Bath Rugby pathway and actually um, kind of see themselves in that position, hopefully. So um, I think it's very exciting and the, the growth of the game is massive. And with this investment, the commitment and kind of the promotion around it just makes it very real for the girls and the women um, in the local area. Um, for me, um, I'd love this project to pave the way for other clubs across the country, um, just to ensure that everybody is offering rugby to women and girls and for us as an amateur club and a professional side to lead by example. Um, I think it should also leave everybody inspired, not only to play, whether that be on a social level or at an, an elite level, but to also volunteer at your local club, become a coach, become a referee, whatever is kind of whatever you're inspired by, really. Brilliant. And um, well, look, thank you, uh, Carol. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Tom. Jojo, um, if you can magic your way onto the stage. And there are maybe fewer questions here, but if you could <clears throat> ask the panel. Questions, um, which okay. I can ask the panel. Um, so the first one um, is from William Hills. Um, and he says, firstly, I would like to welcome this news. It's a great step forward. Um, so congratulations to everybody who's been part of this. Um, Jess Breach's try for Quinns at the weekend was a great example of the phenomenal standards in elite women's rugby. How do we envisage men's and women's teams learning from each other um, following this announcement? So I guess that probably won't be you. Hoops. Oh, look, I think um, I think that there's a great opportunity, and we've already had. Um, We've already had a couple of meetings where we've had a few players together and a few members of staff. And I think the opportunity is there for us to kind of learn off each other, learn from what each other um, has experienced in setting up pathways and what have you. And yeah, the, the offer has been extended, but also I think it's a great opportunity for us to learn from, from these guys as well. Great stuff. And then um, one more question from Alex Caldwell. Um, this one's for Tom, um, and he says, this is a really positive announcement from the club. Um, what has the feedback been to the community coaches on the ground from girls following this announcement? So the feedback to them is that we're all joining this journey together. Um, and one, one of the things that came out of our research is that 70% of those coaches want more help from a coach edu education perspective. Um, and I think, well, as a club, we receive funding for CPD for our pathway. And of course, that goes to the men's side of the game. So one thing that we're just going to do with them is to offer that equal opportunity. And through an affiliate program, which is due to launch this summer uh, with our clubs, we're offering CPD as part of that. Um, and the person 
that we're looking to bring into our team to help drive this project is going to be a, a level two or level three coach. And also we have absolutely every intention to enable them to become a coach educator to really drive those coaches forward and ensure that we're developing everybody around this catchment area because if we've got better coaches and more engaged coaches of course you're going to have better players and more engaged players so it's it's important that we address that um education kind of shortfall at the moment great that's all my questions and jojo i would jump in there, there was another question i saw from knitting about a broader uh, diversity beyond just gender so and i think like what i would say is as a club so publicly facing there's obviously this announcement today um as a club um you know diversity is important in terms of uh, and not just from a rugby perspective in terms of our commercial operations management team we have uh, a number of uh, women in in senior roles and you know the opportunity i mentioned zoe tyler for example who started in our ticket office and is now head of operations and having that opportunity for development in different parts of the club for everyone regardless of um who you are where you come from is really important to us i think that question of a broader diversity knitting is really interesting um you know in bath and with the demographics of bath and um, it's something that we we do need to look at. And, and Carol, I may turn to you. I know with some of the work you referenced earlier with some of those projects to look at minority ethnic groups, and you know, it, it is challenging for us with some of the targets that are asked of us locally um, around this community where uh, maybe some of the um, greater challenges and social challenges are deprivation. Uh, which may not be some of those targets, but I wonder if you could just briefly speak about some of that that challenge that maybe answers some of this question around, um, you know, some of that's really around the demographics specific to this area. Yeah, um, so I'd say actually from a club perspective, from a, from a foundation perspective, we um, have a very good foundation in, in that we work within the community, um, within schools, youth clubs, community clubs, rugby clubs to kind of increase that participation and um, and not only just around rugby I suppose it's about confidence building and kind of getting to like Sarah said about into refereeing volunteering leadership kind of roles administration and um, through kind of our various projects I suppose that are targeted be it in areas of deprivation around kind of health around kind of um, uh, being in education or, or um, uh, unemployed then we kind of work with young groups um, to kind of engage them into the sport and as Sarah's already mentioned around mixed ability I'd say that Bath uh, as a region is doing a fantastic job all the community clubs um, with mixed ability and, and uh, providing kind of a pathway for young people with disabilities to get into the sport as well as kind of this launched out of the women's and girls program as well so there's, there's lots going on and there's uh, definitely avenues for young people to get through to kind of get into the rugby clubs or get into kind of sports. Thank you, Carol. Um, brilliant. I'm really conscious of time. Um, we're going to talk some more rugby. Carol, uh, Sarah, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you as well, Tom. Uh, I've got more leverage with you because you work for us. But um, Carol and Sarah, really excited about this project and working with you. Thank you so much for your time this evening and, and the work you put in so far, Sarah. Um, thank you. And I think us. now you will be magicked away. 
Our pleasure. And hopefully, Hats, Danny, and Charlie have not been um, uh, out, and they will reappear. Welcome back, Neil. Um, Danny, um, and hopefully Charlie will appear in a minute. I'll, I'll get started. Um, so we're going to look ahead now to, to next season. And, and Stuart, we've obviously, we, we know we've got this massive focus over the next three games. At the same time, I know that you're rightly looking ahead in terms of our season review process, planning for pre-season. Uh, we haven't had one of those since 2019. And then looking ahead, obviously, to 21-22, which will be uh, upon us before we know it. And obviously, the, the period ahead provides a great opportunity with a proper pre-season. Um, could you provide an overview in terms of the opportunities that you see for us over this period, building towards 21-22? Um, what, from this season, you'd like to build on, what you'd like to evolve, and what you want the team and our game to, to look, feel, and sound like as we head into 21-22? Just a small question to kick us back off. I like that. Um, like the let's let's go from the from the end point and work backwards. Like we want we want our players uh, to be on the field at the rec in front of a full house, excited to play the game, energized to play the game, um, and you know running ball in space, uh, players in space, and and everyone everyone enjoying everyone enjoying the occasion in the game with that will come winning games. So um, to get to that point, there's, there's shifts that we need to make. There's some that we've made already. There's people that we are bringing in. Um, there's people that have come already who haven't yet played or had the impact that they're going to have. Um, and we need to, we need to develop our, um, our discipline around what we do every moment of every day to allow those moments on the weekend to be enjoyable and to be, um with excitement and to score the tries that we want to score and to excite the fans that we that we want to excite like that's a that's a big part of the project between now and, and the start of next season um but it's not all about the it's not all about the the tangible things you can write on the piece of paper like it's about bringing this group together um creating much more of a of a togetherness so that we want to you know we want to share those moments together and the weekend um, will come if if we get that discipline in the weeks right. And Stuart, one one of the changes. So last week we announced we announced a change in our coaching structure, and we said goodbye to the, to Gervin after three seasons. Hello, Charlie. Um, uh, so we say goodbye uh, to Gervin after after three seasons with us, and we welcome Dave Williams from the Sharks. And Gervin's been been with us those three seasons been with us over the transition from Todd into your role as director of rugby he's he's overseen the development of a number of our uh, younger players like Tom de Glanville Dave joins us from the Sharks he was part of our academy at Bath uh, eight years ago part of the coaching structure there and since then he's developed his experience his reputation as an attack coach working with some um, some very impressive uh, people learning from them can you tell us more about that transition, what Dave will bring and how he will help develop our game and particularly our attacking game? Yeah, for sure. I think if, if we go back to that that vision of the game and, and us playing at the wreck in front of a packed house and um, the things we talked about there, like there was uh, the, the process that I went through 
um, to understand how that could happen with regard to coaching was one which is, you know, first of all, looking at what we do now and how we do it. And then it was about um, who are the best people out there to do this and who, who are the best people that we can find to to give this, these players and this club the opportunity to, to play that game. And um, Dave has been here before, but but obviously in a different role. But the the search was was um, incredibly comprehensive and um, included a lot of different challenges for the people that we spoke to and that I spoke to to understand, you know how how that's going to happen because we can all talk about a great vision of the future, but the key is how we do that and how we engage a group of players to do that, um, and that's where you know obviously Dave is part of that and um, the roles that we have within the club um, are part of that and. Um, yeah, so his experiences with some of the best players and best coaches in the world, crucially, across different environments in Super Rugby uh, in Japan, um, you know, made him stand out. And his ability to engage the playing group creatively um, around an exciting attacking game is something which made which made him stand out. And that process has already started. You know, we we're obviously have a big focus on on the game, three games we've got now, but. Um, as a coaching group, away from that, the detail of how we're going to how we're going to get to that point of the game we want to play is is happening already, and, and and David is a big part of that. And hats coming to you, and just building a little bit on on Stuart's comments and uh, the preseason we have pending, and a great opportunity to develop our game as we head into twenty one twenty two. Can you just get into a bit more of the detail around some of those component parts of our game that you're really keen to develop around set piece? attack defense transition um what are you really looking for as we head into 21 22. oh you're on mute how's that nice better Perfect. um oh look you, you need a, you always need a good set piece in this league so we're, you know, we're, we're going to be consistently looking to improve our set piece on both sides of the ball. I think for us, the attacking variation um, and playing for transition, you know, the, the games, um, the the way that the game's gone in terms of kicking, instead of kicking the ball away, we want to really kick to compete um, and kick to get the ball back uh, when we do have to kick. So for us, we're going to work hard. Our defence hasn't been good enough this season. So we're going to look at the defence to make sure that we can defend to really get the ball back and put us in a position to attack. I think allied with what Hoops has already said about Dave, um, obviously you've heard Danny speak a little bit about the detail on the attack, is bringing variation to that. We've um, the, the players that we've got available to us, we want to make sure that we get our best players on the ball and our best players with ball in hand. And I think the work that we're going to be doing around that is going to make sure that we create that more and more often. Um, so, yeah, like I said, particularly the bits around the transition I find really exciting and the detail that we can layer into our attack to make sure we get the right people on the ball um, even more so. And I'm talking about our attack. Danny, I'll, I'll turn to you. Um, it'd be really great to hear. You spoke a little bit earlier on, but just to hear a bit more about your perspective in terms of what you think our attack could look like, what specific opportunities you see in terms of how we could set up our attack and, and again, what excites you about playing with this team? Yeah, I think uh, Stuart alluded to it a bit about togetherness. I think it's really sort of putting down vast identity 
how we play because the difficult thing with rugby is everyone comes from different walks of life having been coached by different people and everyone have different types of belief of the types of belief of the game so the, the beauty of it now is we, we have the opportunity to really get a bath identity of how we attack and how we play I think with Dave coming in is going to be great. The work that's already been done, it's already out in front of us. There isn't actually that much change. It's just tweaks on um, an awareness, tweaks on detail, tweaks on um, urgency, getting set quicker than position in certain areas, um, understanding what part of the field that we're going to attack from and how we're going to attack and, and making sure it's an all-court game. And, and by that, I mean forwards and backs completely intertwined in what they're doing because as the forwards are constantly working their, working the hardest, uh, I was going to say their nuts off, but yeah, working their nuts off. Um, I you think, said it now. Yeah, I said it now. And anyway, it's important that the backs then understand how important it is to sweep in behind it and keep the, the movement of the attack. And it's something that I've, I've really prided myself on in the way that I look at it. And I hope to just fit in as best I can at Bath and also bring sort of the areas that I've, I've looked at and the detail I've looked at within the attack over the next couple of weeks before we break up for pre-season because been before not having a pre-season is huge but now we do have it it's, it's amazing that we can get the whole group together constantly driving towards one target over and over again repetitively doing the right thing day in training and make sure that they come out on top yeah thank you and no, nice. And uh, uh, Stuart, I mean, one of the features this season has been that we've seen young players properly establish themselves in the squad. So, you know, we don't call them, we don't think they they are younger, but they, they really are senior squad players, the likes of Josh Bayliss, Miles Reed, Tom de Glanville, to name a few. And we also saw moments, you know, when Tom Doughty came on against uh, Sale, he looked completely composed and focused, delivering um line out ball repeatedly obviously this you know this really bodes well for the future can you talk a little about the players emerging from our pathway um what they bring and and who else we and the supporters should be looking out for as we head into 21 22. yeah it's obviously the, the the guys you mentioned there have had a had a big impact like if you rewind um to last you know the start of last season um there's not many people externally who would have talked about Miles um, as an international, um, potentially international. Josh Bayliss as an international, um, you know, and, and these guys are now pushing selection every single week. You know, there's a massive battle for selection for these guys, for for Tom de Glanville, for Will Muir, Miles, um, Josh, and we've had moments this year where we've had. Um, you know, or the, or the back end of last year in restart, we've had Ewan Richards and Ethan Stadden winning premiership games away at Northampton. Like some people go a whole career without doing things like that. And they're doing it 18 years old. Um, and those guys were all targeted parts of our pathway. Like they all were um, identified early from the way we wanted to play the game. And they were developed within a, a system that allowed them to get up and running very quickly. So that will continue because... Not because we want to have 50% homegrown players, because 50% homegrown players is the way to allow us to be a championship winning team um, because of the attributes they bring, because of the care they have for the club and because of the, the desire that they have to be in the shirt. Um, they're always going to be complemented by our world-class stars that we um, will target and target for, the, for their attributes. 
Um, but these young guys, these young homegrown players who can really drive the squad and drive the standard are massive for us. And yeah, it's been awesome to be able to see them play. Like I, people like, um, you know, Miles, for example, he, he's someone who, you know, we've been watching him since he was playing at Beach and Cliff. So to now see him, you know, properly playing for the first team and actually being one of the most dominant forwards we've had this year is is testament to him and the hard work he's put in. And Danny, among our younger emerging players is our young fly half, Orlando Bailey. And in addition to your role on the pitch, we've spoken about part of your role at Bath is to help develop younger players. And in particular, you've spoken about your role with Orlando. Can you talk a little about your first impressions, what you see in him and his potential? Yeah, it's, it's obviously a very confident young man, which is great to see. Um, I was having a conversation with Ryan Davies by the analysis room. We were talking about rugby, going over some clips. He really over and share and, and get involved in the conversation. And, and just to see that from a young by heart, because he wants to be dominant. He, he wants to lead from the front. Um, and he's got the skill set to do it all. I'm very impressed with what I've seen in training. And also the games I've been watching. Future and also for the here and now. Okay, we lost a little bit the sound, but I think we got the we got the gist there. Thank you. And um, Charlie, um, turning to you, leadership is such an important part of any organisation, such an important part of the team, uh, the squad, the club, and. I wanted to ask what lessons you take from the season as captain you know, in the senior player group, what the what what are the steps forward that, that you guys believe that you can make next season to really contribute to, to what we want to achieve in 21-22? Um, I think I think lessons wise, you know, we're constantly learning, reviewing, and that's that's the way that the group's set up. I think when the group's been at its best, when it's been its most effective, when it's driven the club on the most, is when the lads that are in that group have played their best rugby. So if you look back to periods of this season, and particularly the post-lockdown period um, of, of last season, at that point there, there was probably yeah, less less talk, more action. So I don't think we've I don't think we've drifted away from that, but I think it's just reinforced that you know the the, the number one way that you'll lead is by is by your actions, how you show up, how you train, how you play for the club at the weekend. If you're going to say something, then you know, expect it of someone else, then go out there and do it yourself. So say so it's probably probably yeah, reaffirmed that. And then along with the work, you know, that the senior player group and as you mentioned leadership, but there's guys there's guys outside of that group as well that are massive leaders within the team, working with hats and hoops, working with Katie on some of the smaller skills. But again, we're talking about we're talking about two, three, four, five percent difference here. Like I say, the ninety five percent impact that you can have on the team is by going out and playing your best rugby consistently. So, yeah. Thank you. And Stuart, I'm going to turn to you because I um, I suspect this will be a question from a number of people in the panel anyway. So um, before we go and take questions from the floor, uh, let's get in there first. I just wondered if you could talk about, um, well, a couple of things, any uh, recruitment news that you can share and then just giving us an update in terms of uh, just with players long-term injuries obviously brutal news for you know for cam that was out um uh yesterday in the you know in the press but any updates uh, including people coming back from injury so a bit of recruitment and injury updates would be great 
I'll go. I'll go injury first because it's always better to finish on a bit of a high. Um, so the, the yeah, Cam gutted for Cam. Like he was. I think we probably just saw him getting back to the form that um, he showed against uh, against England at, at Twickenham, that, and the form that got him there. Like we were just starting to see that again after his shoulder injury, and then obviously in the last minute of that game against Sale, he he's, he's done his ACL. So um, yeah, gutted for him. But he's had surgery. He'll be kind of seven months. But um, on the same note, Boise's very close to being back from his ACL surgery, and he's. He's absolutely smashed the rehab and the guys it's, it's an almost identical injury to, to Cam. So they'll be working very hard through that. They work, you know, with some experts within England and also in Ireland. There's a, a fantastic clinic that they that they use there, which really allows the guys to push the injury and get back as quick as they can. So yeah, Cam's looking like seven months ish. Um Boise's gonna be back for the start of next season, fully firing, fully fit, um, which is great. And then there's a few other tweaks uh that are pretty much healed up now so whack is a few weeks away he might make the end of the season um josh matavesi's in full training um and yako's pretty much in full training now after his obviously injury in the back end of the curry cup um in south africa and then his subsequent um stay in the holiday in at heathrow for his uh, for his isolation so he he's now pretty much back in full training and we're starting to see some some great actions from him um, so from an injury perspective, there's a, there's a few bits there. Um, and, uh, from a recruitment perspective, obviously there's been a bit, few bits going on. I think obviously two guys we've got in the building already in, in Yaku and, uh, and Danny are big parts of where we're going to go next year. So you know about those guys. Um, there's a few little tidy up bits still to do. We've signed, um, we've signed, uh, two tight head props. Um, you obviously guys, you know, about, um, Christian leaving and, and getting a fantastic opportunity to go to, to Northampton, uh, sorry, to Worcester. Um, there'll be news shortly that, that Henry's moving on at the end of the season as well. Um, and then there's a few bits just to tie up with the clubs that we're signing the tight heads from before we can announce that. But it won't be long before we announce two tight heads coming in as well to really um, make a strong contingent on the right-hand side of the scrum with Will obviously um, being likely to be away with England for, for a number of games. Um, other than that, there's still a few little bits to, to look at in recruitment. Um, a couple of upgrades from the academy as well of boys who've really stepped up this year and last. Um, so, yeah, when we get to, uh, certainly by the end of this season, um, or probably the week before the end of this season, when we'll be able to talk publicly about what that squad looks like and, and the real final shape shape of it going into, into 2021. 2122. Brilliant. So sort of semi-exclusive there um, for, for membership, bit of a bit of, bit of a teaser, but no good to hear that update. And I think if we, Jojo, if you're able to make your way to the stage again, it'd be brilliant. And um, I'm sure there are um, some questions for you to pose to the panel. Yes, lots of questions. And um, I'm glad you asked that one, Tarquin, because Jeremy Boss, Beverly Boss, Tom Dabin, lots of other people had asked questions about recruitment. So um, thank you for answering that one. So honestly, Hoops. Um, a question for Hats. Um, Stephen Pavlin would like to know who is Bath Rugby's, Bath Rugby's breakthrough star of the season? Um, oh, look, there's, there's a few. I think 
Um, you know, Hoops has already spoken about the, the two young back row blokes, you know, and, and Josh, Josh Bayless and, uh, and Miles Reed. Um, you know, they've both pushed through it's brilliant two two guys from the from the academy in the club have really pushed through and done exceptionally well someone like will Muir, you know who's, who's come through from the sevens program um hasn't had many opportunities at the start and then been been absolutely brilliant at, at the back end of the season covering in for rory when rory's been injured um you know there's there's a few guys who have pushed through on that orlando um you know as a young 18 year old just turning 19 to come in and play in european quarterfinals semi-finals you know, Danny's already alluded a little bit to him. So there's four guys already that, you know, when you look through players who have really broken through and pushed through. Um, for me, the exciting bit is three come from the academy. You know, they're, they're local lads who, who've come through the system. Um, so it's great. This is a lot about the pathway that, that's going on at the club. Um, and then obviously Will was some some real smart recruitment um, done before I got here. Done obviously Hoops had a, you know, almost he's followed in Rory's footsteps. So... I'd say those are the four guys who have, have really broke. I'm sure I've forgotten somebody, um, but they're the four ones who probably instantly spring to mind. Great. Um, and kind of um, linking to that question, a question for you, Hoops, um, from Ian Griffiths. What different challenges are faced when bringing younger backs into the game compared to younger forwards? Oh, good question. Um, the, the, the game the game is different obviously you, you know you don't need to be a genius to see that from a forward and a back point of view sometimes when you look left and right in training it looks like they're doing two different sports if i'm honest but um you know the um the, the physicality required at set piece in particular for forwards is something that the guys train all the time so there needs to be a consideration on you know we talk about you know senior level scrumming like they have to have done senior level scrumming um some people will find that comment uh, really interesting. Others will probably be asleep by now. But scrummaging against the guys like Will Stewart, uh, like Benno, like that's a big step up from schoolboy. Whereas somebody like in the backs, like Orlando, we've seen him come into the backs and actually his the best defence of, of, any of, of, of any of our tens who've played in the last few years. So the, the difference in physicality is definitely different. Um, but the considerations are more around what they've done previously and, and how we can get them to that level. Because we can, you know, we can facilitate them getting to that level. It's just how quickly we can do it. Um, great stuff. And another question for Danny um, from Michael Pooley. He would like to say, he would like to ask you, how easy was the decision to come to Bath? And what are your own ambitions for your time with the club? Yeah, for me, it was um, it was very easy because I spoke to my agent and I said the only team that I wanted to go to was Bath purely because of the, the talent and um, the potential and the setup and everything that's already um, sort of in place at Bath. Um, from looking from the outside, looking in, I think that's often what you, you can see is how much potential there is for the group to really thrive. And, you know, for me to come back into the game and, and play, I wanted to be really motivated. Um, I didn't want to go abroad. You know, I had options to do that, but for me, it didn't really get me out of bed in the same way it does to go to somewhere like Bath and really make a difference and have a big impact and hopefully, you know, leave a good mark on the game. Great stuff. Thank you. Um, and then um, a last question then for Tarquin. 
Um, Richard Lansdale would like to know, what can you tell us about the pre-season match schedule and fans' involvement at the rec? Um, if anything. Uh, I, I, well, actually, I, t I suppose in terms of pre-season, it's something we've been talking about. I'll probably turn over to you, Stuart, so I don't say something I shouldn't say. It's something that's being looked at. I'm not sure we're in a position okay. yet to talk about that. Um, Stuart, what can we say? Yeah, we haven't we haven't got a confirmed um, preseason game, but if we can have one, we will do. Um, and the support of it is, I'm not trying to pass the buck back, but the support of it is kind of out of my hands. If we can, I'm sure we will have them. Um, but if, yeah, we're looking to get we're looking to get a preseason game in the week uh, running up to the Premiership commencing. So I think yeah. So I mean, we we are you know we can't say who, but we're we're looking to have at least one game at the wreck and everything's obviously going continues to go well in terms of vaccination so as a minimum we'd be looking to be able to have socially distanced crowding um, obviously we have the requirement uh, in relation to the stand coming down so there's something about the timing of whether the stand would be in place for the game which um, we'd look to be the case and um, so we'd be looking as a minimum of having uh, you know 25 percent capacity if vaccines continue, then hopefully by that point in time, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're full crowds again. That's what we're working towards from, um, you know, 18th of September when the season starts again. So, yeah, we, we want to welcome as many of you as we can as soon as possible because uh, we've missed you. And you heard from Charlie what an impact, obviously, it means for the team to have you there. So, um, so that is the plan. You're very punctual. Are you done? Did you have any other last question, Jojo, or are you done there? That's it. You're done. Okay. Well, look, I'm I'm conscious of time. We've just ticked over past eight thirty, and obviously uh, we got a game on Saturday uh, up at the Stoop against Quinns. Uh, really important first of these three games coming up. So um, I'm going to say uh, massive thanks, uh, Charlie, uh, Neil, Danny, Stuart. Thank you. But a massive, massive thanks to all of our members, uh, corporate partners, hospitality partners for your support has been uh, brilliant. Thank you for your support. We're really looking forward to seeing many of you, hopefully, on 12th of June, hopefully in sunshine. Great, great rugby, great day at the rec. And then, obviously, a bit of time off over the season, small matter of alliance. We should have said, actually, massive congratulations, of course, to Anthony and Talupe. Um, being named in that Lions squad and um, and then we look forward to seeing you back at the wreck in September but in the meantime thank you everyone for your support and we wish you well stay safe thank you and good night <laughs>